Welcome, everyone, to African Time, the podcast, and I am your host, Kwesi Foley. Please link, subscribe, share, and if you don't, then I'll just assume you do not like nice things. Today, we have a very special guest in the building. Therese Kempf is a New York State licensed psychotherapist, supervisor, and consultant in private practice in NYC. Therese specializes in treating trauma and PTSD and survivors of interpersonal violence, sexual assault, systemic racial trauma, epigenetic trauma, and early attachment trauma. In this episode, we are going to talk about the state of Black American mental health, the effects of the pandemic on Black American mental health, and much more. I would also like to put a trigger warning for this episode, as this episode will be talking about some sensitive subjects such as trauma, death, etc. I promise this episode won't be a total downer, as we will talk about some fun stuff too. Anyway, without further ado, here is my conversation with Therese Kempf. So wait, you speak German? No, you no don't. I don't. Right, you don't. I don't. But, but I like really words. like the words because I guess I'm half German. Oh, okay, so right. So when I hear these words, I'm just like, oh, I love it. I pronounced your name correctly too, right? Kempf? Kempf. Kempf. Yeah. Okay, go. good. Okay, I said it I said it perfect. All Therese, my Kempf. names, Therese, Katerina, Kempf, no one can pronounce any of them. I literally called an insurance company the other day and they're like, what's your name? And I was like, Therese. And I spelled it for her and she was like, oh, Therese. Nope. Yeah. I, I literally just told you what it was, and, like, you just can't pronounce it. <laughs> Therese, Therese Katerina Kempf. Therese. 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 That almost sounds like French. It is French. Okay. My mom's Creole. Okay. Oh, right. All right. But in yes. Alabama. New Orleans. Well, her people are from New Orleans. Okay. Um, so, one of the big questions, because as I said in my intro, you are a New York State licensed therapist. Mm-hmm. You are a LCSW, which stands for? Licensed Clinical Social Worker. There we go. Because, you know, with podcasts, the question is, why is this person here? And I'm like, oh, she she knows what you're talking about. And I made sure to put in that you are are a psychotherapist and you you help clients with sexual assault. You help clients with trauma, Mm -hmm. epigenetic. Epigenetic, uh, like the gamut of trauma. So we have the interpersonal violence trauma, childhood abuse, sexual abuse, physical physical violence, domestic violence, and then like racial trauma, which is also epigenetics, right? And then intergenerational trauma. So to me, that's the whole bucket of trauma, right? Um, as well as couples therapy, which also has a lot of trauma. Okay, like, I didn't put that in. So I'm yes. glad you put that in. And just real quick, epigenetic, epigenetics. what does that necessarily mean? To kind of explain it in a more um, digestible way because it's a little bit of a complex topic. Essentially, it's like how our genes turn off and on based on our environment. So because racial trauma and racial discrimination is a huge stressor to the body, right? Like certain genes are turned off and on for black folks specifically. And then that sometimes gets passed down through the lineage. Oh my God. for, For example. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you think about like, why is it that like black folks have you know, during COVID, like the life expectancy of black folks went down, by, black men went down by three years, 70, you know, to 70, I think it was 70. So you think about the trifecta that happens in the black community, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease. Some of that can be, you know, lifestyle, but a lot of that also can be about the, like the epigenetic impact of chronic stress and chronic trauma that's passed down through the lineage because it's actually never stopped. It just looks different. Got you. And that's like a kind of perfect segue into that big question, which is looking at what happened with COVID and Mm -hmm. the pandemic and the lockdown and things like that. And given your role, 
how do you see the state of like black American mental health? Yeah. So before I kind of get into the progress that I'm seeing since I've been in the field for 12 years, um, I want to just kind of set the scene in the sense of like, you can't talk about mental health without talking about the systems that impact mental health. Like mental health to me is deeply political because it's absolutely impacted by the different systems that we have, right? So structural racism, institutional racism, specifically for black folks, health inequality, access to healthcare, housing inequality, wealth inequality, economic inequality, like all these things directly impact mental health. And those things are not, they're not really getting better. So there's that, right? Because people don't just have anxiety and depression in a silo. It's oftentimes related to what's going on and chronic stress. So we have the kind of bigger systemic issues that lead to mental health issues that are not new. They've been here for a while. And then you have the epidemic of trauma that we have in this country. The leading cause of death for Black pregnant women is murder by intimate partner violence. So that's still, and that's not just for, I mean, that's an epidemic in this country, right? But Black pregnant women are at a high risk for that, as well as other maternal issues, you know, how they are treated in the healthcare system. I mean, that's a whole other thing, right? So those issues really kind of set the scene as to why there are, why we do have an epidemic of anxiety and depression and trauma, which leads to PTSD. Those things aren't new. But what I would say is different now is that people are actually talking about this. People are seeking out therapy. People are interested in putting language to what they're experiencing because I think historically in the black community there has been a lot of shunning of talking about mental health like that person's crazy uncle joe is just a pervert like that didn't happen to you you know and the secrecy of trauma that gets passed down through the lineage you know because we're just in survival mode that is shifting where I feel like especially the younger generation the millennials and the gen z's I feel like they're at a place where they're like no I want to actually break this generational trauma I actually want to talk about what's going on for me, and I want to heal. And I think I have probably seen the most interest in Black men, specifically with wanting to be a part of like healing communities, healing circles. I also feel like we talk about mental health more in media. I mean, also suicide is much higher amongst men than women. And then that's been, that's been like that for a while, right? And I think that there are people, you know, in the Black community that are specifically like, we need to work on this. We need to talk about this. And I don't want to suffer like this, and I want to heal. So that's the biggest thing I've I've noticed. So, okay, so there there are two things that I that that kind of you know really stuck out to me. One, the the biggest factor for death in black pregnant women mm-hmm. is partner violence. Yes, like the, and I know this is a really but. So this is when you you can you can like see that they're pre- or does it go into that well, kind of detail? Well, it's pregnancy and like po- like the beginning of like postpartum. So, but domestic oh. violence increases exponentially when a woman is pregnant. That's usually when if someone wasn't violent before, that's usually when it starts and it gets worse. Uh, and and uh, I'm still just being shocked right now, but I'm trying to. Is there a re- and is there a reason or has mm-hmm. there been studies as to why Definitely. that is? I mean, if you think about domestic violence, which is really rooted in power and control, you know, when a woman is pregnant, that's when a lot of the power and control tactics really start. And then when a woman gives birth, I mean, there's a lot of different theories about this. One, like the attention is going towards the baby and not the partner. 
But usually I have seen that control tactics really increase during pregnancy is like, I'm going to control you. And again, this is also related to gun violence that we have in this country and the access to firearms. I mean, most of the murder that's happening to pregnant women is through is through firearms, you know? So it's, I mean, it's shocking, right? And also this is not new. This has been going on. And I feel like this is part of like just how I feel about how we talk about mental health is that we don't, people don't want to understand and see the reality of this, but it is very common. And not just because I, I work in trauma, right? I mean, it's like people sometimes are shocked, like, but it's actually not that uncommon. Is this a national this is kind national. of set? Okay. Because I know, you know, New York has some pretty stringent gun laws, but the violence is is still yeah. there. Yeah, like. I mean, the statistic is not just New York City or New right. York. I mean, definitely, like, New York has certain gun laws. Also, like, you know, as a mandated reporter, like, if we know about someone with a firearm, there's, like, different, like, metrics and things that are in place for that. But, I mean, this gun epidemic is, is nationwide, right? Mm. And it's, you know, I mean, as we know also, like, the number one cause of death for children is gun violence now, mm-hmm. which that? is just awful. I mean, it was COVID, and now it's, like, it's gun violence, right? right? So... You know, this is just, again, this is why mental health is so political Mm -hmm. because, you know, I mean, the amount of people that have been traumatized by gun violence is really staggering. So, I mean, that was the first thing that literally just jumped out to me. But then the second part was uh, when you talked about black men and Mm -hmm. that they have a higher suicide rate. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know everyone talks about this, but I think for good reason, uh, when Twitch he was yeah. the dance, the dancer mm-hmm. with Ellen. And I just kept seeing this, you know, repeated mantra. And maybe this is what you're talking about with how the conversation mm-hmm. with black American mental health has shifted. But mm-hmm. but it wasn't a great conversation because people kept saying, oh, he he looks so happy. He had everything. What are some of the uh, especially specific with that with when it comes to black men, like the pitfalls that could lead to those suicidal tendencies? And mm-hmm. how, what are some ways that maybe we could curb that, maybe as a community, yeah, you know, yeah. so that those kind of conversations are a little bit more mm-hmm. elevated? I mean, that's a good question. I think that that ideally we start to intervene before someone is getting to that point, before someone is having suicidal ideation, before someone is actually having a plan to do that, right? And in the trauma field, we work with suicidal ideation a lot because oftentimes it's a result of, we call it extreme coping, So essentially, if someone is having intolerable feelings, if someone is having flashbacks, if someone feels like they can't get out of their situation, we understand the functionality of suicidal ideation. But that's different than some, you know, we we help people build a relationship with the need to just end it, the need to just end the pain, right? That is a little bit, that's different than someone being like, I have this plan, I'm going to go on this bridge at this time, whatever. I think the problem is the fact that like men in general in this country and black men specifically like, one, they're not, like, it is not, I mean, you probably, it's shunned upon, right, to talk about I am sad, I am depressed. Um, you know, I think that vulnerability has been seen as a weakness. I think that's changing. But I think that that has been a really common sentiment. I think that there are certain emotions that um, women tend to feel more comfortable expressing. And that is also, like, um, positively reinforced, whereas I feel like with men, that's not necessarily the case. And then also, I don't think that, you know, the majority of people who are going and seeking out mental health services are not men, you know? So to be able to and to e- express your feelings and process them and make sense of them, like, you, ha- you can't do that in silence, in a silo, in isolation. And I can't tell you how many men that I know that 
have been sexually abused, right? And just have never told anyone and have been silently suffering, right? Or have like really severe PTSD or depression and they just are high functioning, right? And no one asks them and they don't, they seem fine. No one's like, how are you actually doing? Um, you know what I mean? So part of the mitigation of that is actually seeking out mental health services early. Right. And I, I think that is a perfect, I mean, well done, but perfect segue into talking about like community and, you know, places slash resources that people can reach out to. Yeah. Again, I'm speaking specifically for black Americans and, yeah. and I guess for New York, but also nationwide. If, yeah. if there are bigger spaces, what, what are some places you can recommend? So as far as like the in-person space, I'm not top of mind. I can't think of something. I mean, in New York, I know there are, so forgive me for that. Um, but there's Therapy for Black Girls, There's ther- which is a website that has like a whole roster of therapists. Um, therapy, so be ther- ther- w- therapy. therapy for Black Girls, yeah. Got it. Therapy for Black Men. Um, I know Taraji... P. Henson. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. She has a foundation that's working on mental health. I don't know a ton about it, but I know she's doing a lot of stuff. There's also um, a website called Black Mental Health Matters. Um, also the Loveland Foundation. They're great because they actually offer, like I've had a couple clients go through them where you can get like, they can pay for four to eight weeks of your therapy, which is just, I know it's really, really awesome. So I had a couple clients that did that. Um, so I feel like a lot of things are kind of like popping up. And I know that in L.A. there's I don't know offhand, but I know that I just feel like there's healing communities happening all over. You just have to kind of research where you are. But that's definitely a shift that I've noticed in the past five years, even pre-COVID, you know, where people are really wanting to talk about this stuff in community. Gotcha. Well, OK, so I guess that's kind of like leads to what I want to talk next, because now that you you even said it, that like the conversation has grown and people have talked mm-hmm. about the benefits of mental mm-hmm. health. But what is something or some things like plural that you as a therapist and licensed in New York City and you have done this work? But what are like the maybe more medical or or, you know, more esoteric kind of uh, benefits that maybe the mainstream doesn't know or isn't mm-hmm. talked about in the media, but like maybe around yeah. therapists that we're, that y'all know. Yeah. Help. I think that, I mean, there's so many big questions, oh, right? There's so okay, many. Okay, great. That's, well, that's good. Yeah. I think, um, I guess it depends on what age group you're working with, you know? I mean, we could start with children, like zero to five, you know, if you're doing, if you're working with young, very young children and their caregivers doing trauma work, which there's a treatment called child and parent psychotherapy, CPP, like you can really help build a, an attachment and attunement system and help fine tune that for a caregiver and a child. And that is the most important thing in a in a person's life is that early childhood development, child attachment system. So that work to me is like you were setting a kid up for success. I also think that I don't think something that people talk about enough is that like having someone that can hold space for you and empathize with you and validate you is really healing. You know, I think that especially what? No, I love that. That's yeah. It's, it's, it yeah. warms my heart. That's good. I mean, especially it's because, you know, like I don't think as a society we're good at that. We're not. We constantly tell people what to do, unsolicited advice. You know what I'm saying? Like, get over it. Like, 
pull yourself up. Like we don't pull yourself really, up by bullet straps. Yeah, nah. like we don't know how to hold space, how to sit back and mm-hmm. just hold space for someone. And and also times it's you know we're not like friends and family. They're totally biased. They want you to be okay. They're worried about you in a way, right? So for therapists, you know, holding space I think is such is so healing. You know, I also think that. It is a skill to know how to really communicate your feelings and really allow yourself to be vulnerable and then to articulate that to another person. That is a skill. That is not something that we are all born knowing how to do. Mm. And I think that is incredibly powerful, especially in a couple, you know, because if one person is really able to be like, this is what's happening for me. This is the meaning that I'm making. This is how this makes me feel. This is why I feel like this. This is the source of this, like all that kind of stuff. Um, it is really helpful and really informative. And when you have one person who's kind of able to do that and another person who really doesn't know how they feel, they're just really reactive, that can cause a lot of different issues. You know what I mean? And also, like, I do feel like it is our birthright to experience joy. Oh, talk that talk. To, I like this. I mean, and and to heal, right? And when we say heal, like, heal is a lifetime thing, right? Let me just ask this question. Are you ever done with therapy? That's a great question. I think it depends on the kind of therapy okay. that you're trying to do. Like, I think that, so there's so many different modalities of therapy. Um, I've been in therapy for a long time. I'm obviously a big fan of therapy, you know, and I think it is important even for maintenance stuff, even if things are actually going pretty well. Um, but I think it depends. Like, I don't think people need to be in couples therapy forever, even though I adore my couples. We don't need to be in therapy forever. You know, like certain like EMDR therapy or sensory motor that's specifically treating and processing trauma. You don't need that is more of a short term model. So I think it I think it really depends. And also people can go in and out of therapy. You know, like I think if you're doing trauma therapy, like you might be able to resolve your PTSD and then you don't actually need that kind of therapy anymore. Mm. Gotcha. How have you seen because, you, you know, we've talked about black mental health. And, you know, we're kind of talking about within the U.S. Do you see some differences or big differences internationally Mm -hmm. when it comes to talking about mental health? Are there any, like, aspects or things that you find interesting Mm -hmm. about how mental health is talked about internationally and how they, you know, go about treating it? Great question. Big question. Big. Um, big. Very big. We do it big. Global, right? Um, I guess the biggest thing I would say, I mean, I can't really speak to that. Yeah, I haven't, like, been to, like, conferences or anything like that really since COVID. Gotcha. Um, Although I've done some, like, trainings and whatnot. I think that, in general, the field could do better at understanding trauma and understanding the nervous system and understanding, like, holistically, like, not everything is trauma. And sometimes it is, you know. And I just feel like, as therapists, we could do better at understanding root cause and understanding the holistic picture of someone's health. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I think I think there's that. I think that trauma can also be missed. I think domestic violence can be missed at times, especially in couples work. Mm-hmm. So, and this is, you know, what I mean. I'm kind of glad that you said that because I have a little bone to pick with not you, but you know, therapists in general. Because, and there's a great article that I think it came out in the New Yorker or one of those where they've seen an uptick in. People using, and I think it's called therapy speak, Mm -hmm. like, for example, narcissists. And I feel like I hear that all the time. She's such a narcissist. He's such a narcissist. And I I Mm -hmm. kind of find myself being like, do you actually know what that means? 
How does that make you mm-hmm. feel as a therapist? Like, and have you noticed that yeah. phenomenon? Like people kind of using therapy or therapy speak to their advantage. Yeah. Listen, I love this topic. This is gonna be a little controversial. Oh, okay. A little controversial, guys. Why not? I I don't have a problem with it. Okay. I don't. I think that we as a species need to evolve emotionally. I think that we are becoming more emotionally intelligent. And part of that is understanding and having language to express what we need and how we feel. Okay. So the word boundaries is actually a great word. You know what I mean? Like it's a great word to express. This is what I need to be able to be in relation. But but I got to hear from you. Like what's been your experience of people using the word boundary? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I, I guess I'm not just talking about that article, but yeah. there's just has been a certain um, movement of, Thinking that therapy mm-hmm. can cure all societal ills or like within a person. So like mm. I think therapy has been used as an excuse to act in um unsavory or not great way, but just with a little bit of refinement. Mm-hmm. So instead of you, I don't know, cussing somebody out, you know, you just use a bunch of, you know, lofty words and Well, what's and better? You, Is it better to cuss someone out? If the situation warrants it, yes. Okay, well. What I mean, why? Why are you I asking mean, that question? I, don't know, do you I don't know if I agree with that. Because I mean, sometimes I mean I feel like sometimes anger is warranted, and sometimes 100%. using profanity can be. But cussing someone out? Yes, for example, someone's did something bad, and you need to like let them know that. You know that ain't that ain't cool. Do you need to cuss them out to do that? Sometimes you do. Okay. Sometimes. Not all the time. And I feel like this can also go into a conversation about civility, right? Because people are always asked to be, a lot of the times oppressors or bad people or bullies Mm -hmm. are always asking people that are victims or Mm -hmm. to be the civil ones. But once they react or, you know, they start cussing out people, then, of course, then they can turn around and be Mm -hmm. like, oh, you're um, crossing a boundary. Oh, you're doing something that is you know, uh, hurting my mental health or whatever, right? That's not so... So that's what that's where I'm... But here's the I'm thing. At. Before therapy speak, we were still having those dynamics. You know what I mean? So people can use anything that's intended for good and spin it in a way. So in the general, pers- general overall opinion about this, I think therapy speak and having language for our experience is good. I think, like, to what you're saying, like, if someone is causing harm and then they're using therapy speak, to be like, well, it was my childhood trauma that like blah 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 blah. Thank Here's you. the thing: right. there's like that's what I there's mean. But, yes. but like therapy speak does not like does not make absolve you from being accountable, right? Like I mean, just because like just because you've been hurt does not give you the right to then hurt someone else. You know what I mean? So but I don't necessarily think that think of that as therapy speak. I think that um, yeah, I think some of this language is really helpful. I do think that there's like. We diagnose people a lot, you know, um, with like, you're a narcissist, you're this, you're that, without really, or you're like avoidantly attached or this or that, without necessarily knowing what that means, like you had said. But at the same time, I think people are trying to understand other people's behavior, specifically other people's hurtful behavior, you know? So I actually think it's more about an accountability issue, you know what I mean? And I think I see this a lot in dating. Like, you know, and even with, not really with the couples that I work with, but I think I just see in general 
in dating where there is a little bit of like a lack of accountability or we've kind of like lost our way as far as like humanizing other people, you know, and we've normalized some behavior that I think is really hurtful. Um, getting off topic. But yeah, I don't actually, I think that, I also think that people can understand something, but what are you going to do with it? Like, okay, so you're avoidantly attached. So you know that, I know that. What are we going to do about it? Gotcha. Do you want to do anything about it? That's the other thing, right? right? Some people are actually like perfectly happy to, you know, maintain as they are. So I also think like, are you in a partnership? Are you around people who are growth minded? Are you around people who don't want to go that deep? Gotcha. You know? And I, I definitely do not want this to be read as don't utilize therapy because, of course, but mm -hmm. and I think it's just in human nature to take whatever it is, you know, yeah. and always use it to your advantage. Yeah. I just remember reading that article. I think it was in The New Yorker of just, you know, I think people I using, you know, mm -hmm. basic tactics, right? Being able to, you know, use tools that are actually supposed to help and support and build up. Mm -hmm you and your, your your mental health and instead mm -hmm. are inflicting pain and harm and the worst mm -hmm. part of it is again when they get called out right yeah they there's that reversal and they're like where they play victim and because they can mm -hmm. use these lofty and you know these words that you know are not maybe readily accessible to the common person mm -hmm. but are read are read off as genteel and mm -hmm. you know nice or whatever right and the yeah. person that it's maybe, you know, a little bit uncouth and, you know, might just be like, well, you fucking suck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's that. There's and that. I think, and I think that's, I think that's okay to say, you know, so, and I, you know, because I get what you mean by like, oh, is it all right? But yeah, sometimes it's just okay to just be like, fuck you. Instead of being like, well, actually, I find that you are you know, violating my boundaries and, you know, I think it's, for, go I think it's a little up for debate though. Am I going to say that to you and then I'm going to like hang out with you later that night? Like probably not. I mean, right. Like, are we looking maybe. to end a relationship <laughs> oh. <laughs> or are we looking to like tell someone how we feel? Like, I mean, I, I think this is such a complex topic. Like how do we, how do we express anger, you know, and how do we hold other people's anger? And I think women in particular have, not been you know it's like there's been like that the trope of the black woman like the angry black woman and the kind of censoring and keeping yourself small so anger has not been accepted you know um so it's complex but i really think it has i really think that if there's one thing that i think people need to work on Talk in the therapy speak world it's accountability empathy and self-awareness right if you're if you're working on you and I'm working on me and you can communicate to me what your triggers are and I can tell you what my triggers are and I can hold that and we can hold that for each other, we're going to have a much better relationship. Do you know what I mean? Regardless if we're using therapy speak or not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I do not come from my profession. I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just saying. And the thing is, like, even if someone's saying, like, you know, he's so narcissistic or he's this or he's that. Like, one, who are you telling that to? Are you telling that to the person that you're that hurts you and are they listening to you? And or are you looking for a way to just define that person's behavior? But actually what you're feeling is you're really hurt. You know, so this goes back to like, how do we hold space for people? I love that. I mean, once again, another mic drop moment, but we can't drop these mics because they're yeah. attached to these things. That's fine. Um, shifting gears. Shifting. So what's next? Like, what you got going for you in the future? You also let people know, like, where to follow you. What, like, what's what's going on? So I'm going to continue my practice. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm hoping to do more on-camera content. So I did a course for alchemy, like, two years ago. 
So you can always go, Alchemy is like a black mental health app. So I did a whole course on, it's called Finding Freedom, all about like working with anxiety. Um, and I have some like in my like sensory motor meditation stuff that I do in my practice in there. In basketball parlance, we would call that an alley-oop. Like Great. where you're not literally served that and then you just dunk it. Great. That's yeah, fun. that, that, yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, I'm hoping to do more on-camera stuff because I really, really enjoy that. I would also love to do some more like consulting work. I also want to do my own podcast. Mm. And if Naila is hearing this, she's one of my good friends who um, is also also worked with Heal House and she's also a couples therapist. So would love to do that in the works. So for now, you can find me at you can just Google me. I'm on Psychology Today. And also you can find me on Instagram at T Katarina. T-K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-A. Uh-huh. I'm also on TikTok. I got to say. You are, I'm bro. into TikTok. You're a TikToker. I, like, the side of TikTok, like, I love, like, the naturopath side of TikTok. I love the, like, you know, political, critical analysis side of TikTok when it comes to, like, gender and race. Talk about it. Um, I like it. But it's, yeah. So I'm therapy with TK, but honestly, it's a little bit more of like a personal and sometimes we do therapy stuff in there. So it's at therapy with TK. At therapy with TK, yes. Okay, got you. Um, that's yeah. that's wonderful. So um, before we go, yes, we got a little, we talked about all the things. We did. You know, some heavy stuff. Yes. Um, so I need to, you know, a little get a little loose. And get <laughs> loosen a little, up, you know, listen up. Okay. Get a little nice with it. So uh, we have a game called This or That. Love it. Um, Let's it's, go. It's very self-explanatory. It's literally this or that. What's that hip-hop song? You get a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a little, uh, you know what's up. Okay. Yeah, that oh. oh Walter, shout out to Walter. Okay. okay. All right, Walter. Podcast. All right. I like that. Black I see, I don't even know the name, but uh, you know that song. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, of course. I, I'm I'm still a little I'm still a little worried about you because you didn't know what to lay up with and it's it's okay. I'm I'm a little saddened. Not a basketball. <laughs> I can play basketball. Watch me. Put me on a court. It's horrible. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, so yeah, you just literally pick but more importantly, I need to know why. Okay. Whether you pick this or that. Right. First up, Afrobeats or Amapiano? Amapiano. Why? Boom. South Africa. <laughs> oh, okay. Hello. I mean, I, yeah, that's what I just said. Why? So South Africa. I that, mean, that's so it. when I was in South Africa, Kwaito was okay. still really big. And then Amapiano. That's a music genre. Yeah, that's okay. like, that predates Amapiano. Amapiano, I think, started in like 2010. So I was there in 2009. So Kwaito was big there, mm-hmm. right? And all types of amazing music. And then Amapiano developed I think in 2010. I'm into it. I like Afrobeats too, but I like Amapiano because it's my South Africa. Were you surprised or... Because, I mean, Amapiano now especially has just exploded. I hear it all the time. There are DJ sets where it's just Amapiano, especially in New York. Yeah. And that's what I'm speaking. Like, are you surprised by that, that it just made that... And now even I'm Nigerians... It like so it's so long. I'm, oh, okay. Because I felt like the You're music like, scene sure. in Cape Town was like, when I was there and some of the people that I was friends with have like also kind of blown up, but like, um, which is awesome to see. But yeah, the music scene was, is so dope in South Africa. So like, I'm a little surprised it took this long, but. But you're like, oh, I'm not it, surprised. It was, yeah, you're not surprised. I'm not surprised. Got you. Um, Cape Town or Johannesburg? So I've only been to Johannesburg, like actually spent time there like one time. So Cape oh, Town. Okay. Also, like, I love the I love the mountains and the beach. So Cape Town's. And that's what Cape Town has. Yes. As opposed to Johannesburg, it's which like is. like city. Very city. 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 Okay, yeah. got you. All right. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Really? Peanut butter chocolate, really. Mm, 
I'm not like a nuts. huge sweet. Mm, not really. I'm not a huge <laughs> sweet person. But if I had to choose, it'd be chocolate and peanut butter chocolate, like dark chocolate peanut butter cups. Got you. Um, TV show or movie? TV, five thousand percent. Oh my god! Why? What is that? Why? You know, I don't know if my attention span is a little different, like everyone, because we're on Zoom and TikTok and all this stuff. But TV shows, I like. I like how they're shorter. The episodes. I unless here's the other thing. Unless I'm going to a movie and I'm at like the Alamo, where I'm gonna have like like food and like you know like a drink or something like that. Like I'm gonna have an experience. I'm not gonna watch a movie at home. Like TV, like I can see the development of the characters. I can get into it. I got you. I'm into it. Okay, so what's some TV you watching right now? I'm watching this Argentinian uh, show called Thursday's Widows. I just started watching it last night. Thursdays. I watch. Widows. I think that's what it's called. I Where watch is that a on? lot. Is that Netflix. Yeah, Netflix. I watch okay. a lot of like Spanish dramas. Just okay. Into it. Demon. Okay. I don't know. They're just like the development is just great. I just love it. As a okay, like the all right. character development is just great, and I love like this, and I love like the scenic, and this is yeah. Just um, give me another then TV show. <sighs> There's a show called The Marked Heart. The Marked highly Heart. recommend. I think it takes so. Are place these in like Columbia. telenovelas? Basically, I wouldn't quite say they're te- maybe they're like Netflix version of telenovelas. Okay, they're not yeah, like soap okay. opera y. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. But gotcha. there's a show called The Marked Heart. Just loved. Is I think it took place in Colombia. Also, I love an Apple TV. Give me like ten shows to choose from. I don't have to scroll like. Oh, like Ted Lasso or something. Not Ted Lasso. Um, Shrinking. Good show. Right. Good show. Little therapy, right? Yeah. Has to do. Okay. There you go. Love that. Echo yeah. Eight. Like pretty much everything on that show, everything on that channel. Yeah. The morning show. Hijack. Obviously. Obvi- I mean, that was like yes. once again, Ali. This because this leads to our next, the next question. Yep. Michael B. Jordan or Idris Elba? Idris, of course. Of course. Have you seen Hijack? I I, I haven't actually. <laughs> what? So okay, just so wait. First of all, yeah. you're telling me that Hijack is good. Very good. It's very good. Idris Elba is amazing. The writing is awesome, but he's just like, just carries that show, you know. So, so right, just, just, just roll with me because I did, I did a thing actually earlier about Idris Elba. I love yeah. Idris Elba. He's one of us. He's half Ghanaian. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm Ghanaian, so it's all love. Yeah. However, some of his choices, and by the way, you know that could like be what? because of he's you know black man and you know not getting most choices in Hollywood, whatever. But. Some of his choices are maybe a little questionable. Like what? Okay, for example, name name me a Idris Elba movie. Oh, you're not really into movies to begin with, yeah, right? I don't know. But okay, but I guess that's what I'm saying. So, The Dark Tower. You ever heard of that one? Mm-mm. Yeah, that's what I thought. And he's playing like a gunslinger with Ma- opposite Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, really didn't do much. We're judging him for the movies he chooses to play and the characters. Of course, because that's his profession. Like he be. But Some what are you? What are you upset about? That you know that I I wish his talents because he's so good mm-hmm. and he always elevates whatever material. Yes. And you even said about the writing, right? The writing, but Idris Elba. No, he elevates it. But that's what I'm saying. I feel like the writing doesn't always support that, mm-hmm. or you know, give him mm-hmm. his potential. Besides hijack, give me another Idris Elba thing. Isn't even he... TV show. Go ahead. You're really just going to put me on the spot right now. Of course. Not... I don't know. Yo. Okay, here's the thing. Oh, wait. Idris Elba was in this one Netflix show that was, like, super cute. What other big show was he in? 
He, I mean, he was in The Wire. Yeah, that's, that's what I was a, gonna say. Right. I have not watched it. I think you told me to watch it years ago. I haven't. You sorry. still haven't. I haven't. Sorry. And that's that's. I guess what I'm saying is, even now, whenever he comes to like a a talk show or something like that, they will be like, you know, him from The Wire. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing with other celebrities, like, for example, George Clooney. Ain't no one ever saying, hey, you know George Clooney from ER. Yeah, because that was so long ago. That yeah. was so long ago. And that's that's what I'm saying. There hasn't been that other Idris Elba project that has, yeah. you know, put him I in the stratosphere. You. And he is so deserving of that. Yeah. So are you mad at him or are you mad at the system? Because there's a lot of pressure on him. That You're absolutely right. And Too much pressure. Look at you. Why are you I'm just look at you say. coming for your man? Like you're like, don't talk about No, I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I I feel like I hear you with that, but also, I mean And that's why I made sure to put that disclaimer, like, hey, him as a black man not maybe getting those kind of opportunities. Yeah, he's not getting like so Leonardo de- DiCaprio opportunities. Right. He's- and so I'm definitely lamenting that, but I just I just wish that because I, I think he is on par with Will Smith, Denzel. Oh, better. I think he's better. Sorry. I think but, he's better uh, than a Will Smith. Not Denzel. Okay. You know, I can't really see, talk because I don't watch a lot of movies. I watch Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I love that show. But like, <laughs> right. But that's, you know, but that's what I'm saying. Ain't no one saying, oh, you know him from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Like, no one is saying that because Will Smith has put I, himself I into that. that strat- I would say that. Therese. Independence Day? Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's Independence Day. There's Men in Black. There's uh, um, I, uh, I Robot. You said, whatever. You see, you. <laughs> Fresh it's because of, like, of the slap, isn't it? It's because of the slap. <laughs> no comment. Yes. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm more into like the Red Table Talk, Jada Pinkett. Like I like what she's doing with her little show. So you didn't like the fact that he he stood up for his woman and defended her after it's Chris the same Rock as, made a But listen, you also think joke. it's okay to say fuck you because someone upset you. So like we might just have to uh, have a difference of opinion here. To rest. I don't right, condone so- violence, period. Use your words. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, fuck you is, is definitely words, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can let it depends on know. what kind of relationship. If you are trying to like have a if you're trying to have that person come over tonight, she ain't gonna come over after you say fuck you. <laughs> if you try to end something, you know what I'm saying? But like we gotta think about that. Right. I mean, and right, and I'm not just talking relation. I just mean, you know, in it's New York City. Someone does some bullshit. You know what I mean? Just like and then just walk off, it. you know, instead of, hey, s- hello, sir. That was a very mean thing that you did. And I felt that you injured. Nah, you can cut all that. Up yeah. And, like, and also that can be kind of a little bit in the realm of a little bit of toxic masculinity. You know uh, you, hey, I'm just saying. You know, hey, one thousand percent. And you're like, right. And it's that's, like we need to find other ways to handle our emotions outside of just like. Fuck you, you know, gotcha. I mean, sometimes it gets the job done. But like, does it really get you to be understood? You know, outside of the person who steps on your shoe, I'm talking about like in a relationship. Like, yes, of course. Yes. You know, I, I'm, I'm right. I'm right there with you. One thousand percent. Back to Idris, though. But so, yeah. <laughs> like in the sh- in the show, he's so freaking good that I had so much respect for him after watching that show. Because like I knew people like love, you know, fangirled him, like loved him, whatever. And I watched that show and I was like, mm, he's very talented. And I've always known this. Did you watch The Office? No. Oh, OK. <laughs> At, see, well, that's what I'm talking about. He was fantastic. He was like a he was in the kind office? of a, yes. He like was as a, a like a, a uh, he was like a guest star for like eight episodes exactly. But yeah. he was like kind of like a straight man, and you know, in the com- comedic parlance. I mean, uh, of 
Cause he and there's one. It's a meme, but he was like, "I'm aware of the effect that I have on women." But he said it in such a like deadpan. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh shit, Idris Elba is also funny," and that's mm. why I wish I could see him in those kind of offbeat, kind of comedic, you know, because he would steal every scene. And I bet you he could just get a variety. Maybe he was like, "I'm sick of doing these heavy roles. I want to play. I want to have sure, fun." Sure. Maybe. Therese, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for sharing your gems with literally everything. I learned so much today. Things that are shocking, things that are horrific. But that's why you're great at your job of, you know, letting people see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Thank you. Um, And I really respect you for everything. You know, despite some of your opinions about some stars and uh, basketball, but whatever, I, I can, we'll I can, let it go. I can let it go. I can let it go. We're That's another the whole of each other, right? right. Like, <laughs> all the same. Um, but thank you for being here, and um, I, I really appreciate your time with me. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Uh, that's that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, until next time, peace. Thank you for listening to African Time, the podcast. I want to give a big shout out to TK Dutest for editorial support, Josh Wilcox at Brooklyn Podcasting Studio, and The Gap BK, Mariah Johnson, for additional support with this podcast. Peace and love to y'all, everyone.